uh, really quick. First of all, thank you for coming and um, let me quickly introduce myself. Um, <coughs> my name is Michelle Martin. I'm a software engineer at Metal Pop Games right now. Uh, I actually have been working in the video games industry for over 10 years. Uh, I started out just like most programmers did. I started when I was about 11 and then never stopped. And I think that is a biography I share with most coders in this industry. So uh, I did the classical route of studying computer science, then started at a big game studio. I worked on first-person shooters, and um, the first AAA games I worked on was the Crisis series. Uh, I've also worked with Unreal, I've worked with Unity, and right now I'm working at my own company, with his, which is Mailbox Games. Uh, we're really small, we're just five people right now, but see us in a couple of years, please. <laughs> I've also created uh, the Unity Accessibility Plugin. Um, which is a plugin for Unity, which is a game engine, uh, to make games made with Unity accessible. It essentially creates, uh, recreates screen reader abilities inside of Unity because unfortunately Unity doesn't work for technical reasons that are perfectly sound with uh, any screen readers that are out there today. So, um, <coughs> yeah, let's talk accessibility and what this talk is actually about. So, um, I made a accessible game myself in my free time, then I went back to my company and helped them, well, my company <laughs> made our game, not our first game, but our game, first accessible game, and then last year I actually also started contracting for other game studios to help them make their games accessible, and I learned a heck of a lot, mostly by doing them wrong in the first place, and this is sort of a talk about the biggest th lessons I learned, and maybe I can help you avoid some of those mistakes. First thing I learned and I do really want to pass on is interface conventions. Yes, blind people have them too. Then the bare minimum I did and probably everybody will do to make a game accessible. And then to go step beyond that and actually make the accessibility shine, make it good and make the game fun to play. And let me know if I'm too fast. <laughs> All right. Um, <coughs> So uh, yeah, I have a couple of games that I worked on that are accessible. Uh, I created this Match 3 sort of Candy Crush game as my first one. Then the uh, company uh, Metal Pop Games, we released Crafting Kingdom, which is sort of an idle strategy game, and I worked on a couple other in the past, and um, this is what I'm gonna talk about. So I have um, made, uh, hang on, no, it's just the right slide, sorry. So when I started out uh, making my very first game, I did everything wrong Karen said not to do. I actually did not ask a single blind person, I didn't consult with anybody, I did not get any feedback. I had this great idea how my interface was going to work and it was a mobile game and it included long tabs and dragging to the side and circular pop-up menus and it was awesome until I put it down for two weeks because I had to work on something else and then couldn't remember how to navigate the menu of my own game. <laughs> So, luckily, a friend of mine has a brother who's blind and he was nice enough not only to show me what screen readers are, but also to be very blunt and say this is completely unusable. So, screen readers, if most of you are realize completely know what this is, for the few that don't, a screen reader is actually a very sophisticated type of technology that knows what's on your screen and tries to read it to you. So, sorry. It knows what a button is, it knows what a slider is, a drop-down box, and it knows where on the screen it is. So it can not only read it to you, but can read it to you in order where it would appear on screen. So it actually makes sense. I have a little audio sample for you, which is um, 
the screen reader reading the main menu of a game. It's really <laughs> short. Main menu. Play button. Settings button. Quit button. That's how it works. And <coughs> the fantastic thing about screen readers is, A, they exist on practically every platform. Linux, Windows, Mac, iOS has voiceover, Android has talkback, and um, well now there's actually narrator on Xbox too. But what's even better is they all pretty much work the same way, which means they set the interface, interface conventions, which you should absolutely follow, <laughs> because then, I saw this pretty quickly, well every blind player could just pick up my game and immediately know how to use it. And even better, they could come back after two weeks and still know how to use it. This really just two conventions to follow. Uh, one is all menu elements. Everything that's on screen should be accessible by swiping. Or if you're on a PC, it would be arrow keys. If you're using a gamepad, it would be the thumb stick. But essentially, they all need to be accessible. There shouldn't be any hidden commands you need to do to get to that settings button in the corner. The second one is you can activate one element with a double tap. That's on mobile, obviously, but it would be the return key on a keyboard, it would be probably the A key on a gamepad. It's always the same buttons, or whether it's a slider, a drop-down, or a button. So that's very important, and once I came to my senses, <laughs> I realized I really should follow these conventions, because navigating my game's menu should not be my game's biggest challenge. So I threw out all of my code <laughs> and redid it. And and uh, <coughs> the bare minimum, what you have to do to make your app accessible. So the bare minimum I started out with is marking up your UI. You have to do some additional markup. This is, well, the actual bare minimum is choose a tech. You either do a self-voicing app, you write something that's natively compatible with screen readers, or you use an engine or a third-party plugin. And if you use Unity, you're welcome to use my plugin. So uh, the first thing, why do you need to do markup, actually? Is that Screen readers don't do everything for you, because games often use icons instead of text or lots of graphics. The classical ones are here. You have your triangle for play, you have a check mark for OK, the red X for cancel. Um, the more I work with converting games, I actually realize there's a dozen more I could name without even breaking a sweat. There's just so many that we've gotten used to and are very commonly used. And this is great. It makes a lot of sense to use images because, well, they use less screen space. This is especially valuable on mobile. They, um, oh yeah, also screen space. They use always the same screen space. Whereas if you translate text, even the word play, it can be significantly longer in other languages. If you design your UI and you don't know how long a text is going to be, uh, it sucks a little. Um, also, you make your game accessible to people who can't read yet or can't read English. And last but not least, you actually save money on localization by using icons. So it's basically a win-win, win-win-win for the game developers. The only thing is, it makes your game a little less accessible because obviously screen readers can only read text. So I recently converted a game <laughs> to, uh, I think it was a trivia game, to be accessible. And here's an audio recording of what the screen reader reads. Just the text that's actually on the screen. I'm not going to show you an image just yet. And that's it, just those three numbers. I'm going to show you an image now, and it's going to make sense. Now all of a sudden you see the seven in front of the heart, meaning lives, 
you see the 315 is actually a timer right next to it, and the 97 is right next to the stack of coins. So <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Now, so by just making your game screen reader compatible, you're just not done yet. The game's not pl playable yet. You need to do a little bit of manual markup. Now, the actual tech that you need to do to do that it differs on your platform. Um, iOS and, and I think even uh, yeah, Android too, they have um, accessibility markup uh, hints where you can write names into it. So this talk is uh, um, applicable to whatever tech you're using. I'm going to be using Unity examples just because I happen to work in Unity. In Unity, you add uh, a com component to it where you say, this is my label. It says five lives in this case. And you just do a fill in the blank sort of thing where you say, you have blank lives. And then at runtime, it replaces the blank with what's actually in the label. So you end up with, you have five lives. Now here's the same screen again after I did all that markup. Uh, just again, no, just audio. You have seven lives. Time to next life. Three minutes and 15 seconds. You have 97 coins. All of a sudden, it makes sense. <laughs> and that's the bare minimum you have to do. And that's the bare minimum I did. <clears throat> and then I still didn't really uh, have a really great playable game because that's the point where I actually went onto a forum for blind players and put the game out there and asked for feedback. But the thing is, I actually had no new, well, new, I thought I was done. You know, the game is accessible, it's playable, didn't expect too much. And, <laughs> well, that thread grew to 18 pages worth of feedback really fast. Most of it was really positive. I also want to say this, <laughs> I have never gotten as much positive feedback from any player as I've gotten from blind players, especially if you even remotely <coughs> familiar with the Google Play Store review section and the comments. There's a lot of vitriol there. So <coughs> through uh, all of the, these 18 pages of comments and the tons of email I got and all the other forums, I sort of picked my top five mistakes and top five lessons learned and how to avoid them. I'm going to present them here. So number one, actually, you know what? I should have called this, avoid these five mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so number one, don't write novels. So basically, I just said you have to write extra markup, and that's fine, and I did that too, but keep your inner author in check. So navigating menu is functional, it's not artistic. You have a goal in mind, you want to get somewhere. You don't want to let your inner author get carried away here. So this is what I did. I wrote long, complete sentences into all of my accessibility labels. I wrote, in, you currently have, or your player currently has this many items left in storage. You'll see in a second why this is actually really annoying. <laughs> so <clears throat> in the game Crafting Kingdom that we did, you can craft items, you can put them in your storage, and then you can listen to what you currently have in storage. And this is what it sounded like when I did the first pass on this. You have 15 logs in storage. You have 200 timber in storage. You have 65 stone in storage. You have 123 iron ore in storage. You have 16 gold bars in storage. I'll spare you the rest. There were 32 products. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> well, luckily, my players know exactly how to fix this. So I immediately got the emails. So, you know, just make it shorter and just need this. So in a nutshell, keep it short and put important information at the front. So bad, bad example, you currently have 15 moves left. It turns out 
Nobody actually listened to my long, beautiful sentences. They all just waited until they got the information that they needed and moved on. So don't make them wait till you currently have just, this is the better version, just 15 moves left. 15 is information everybody wants. If you come back to this label, 15, you can move on. You don't even have to wait for the moves left. But if you're a first time player, you realize, oh, this is my moves label, and it'll tell me how many moves I have left. So obviously, apparently the number is going to go down. So this is the actual audio that we ship with for the storage. Logs 15, timber 200, stone 65, iron ore 123, gold bar 16. So very short, not pretty, but very functional. And it made everybody happy. <laughs> so yeah, this is my tip. Keep it short, put important information to the front. Number two. Group your user interface. This is a lot more complicated to explain, I think. So what I'm going to show you is a video of the options menu of Crafting Kingdom, which is this one. Let's see if it actually plays. It does, but only on my screen. So how do I get it? Uh -huh. Yes. Ha. Okay, this is the options menu, uh, standard options menu. You have your languages all on top, your notifications, sound, music settings, cloud loading, that kind of stuff. Now, if I want to close this one as a sighted player, I hit the close button at the bottom. Here's what a blind player will have to do. Language, English, German, French, Spanish, Japanese, Korean, Portuguese, Russian, Italian, Vietnamese, Thai, Chinese, notification sound effects, chipped, music, chipped, accessibility, enable, accessibility, load from cloud, save to cloud, ID, back, button, you press return to select. You get the idea, I hope. Oh, how do I close it now? Yes. <laughs> so if you didn't count, that was 21 swipes that you have to go through just to close a menu that you might have opened by accident. <laughs> Obviously, you don't want that. What we did in uh, the end, um <coughs> hang on, I have another video. Oh, yeah. So what you can do, and again, this is, doesn't matter what tech you use, it just has different naming. You can actually group your UI, which means you can take a bunch of buttons and labels and sliders and say they belong to one section or one group. And then there are special gestures or keys where you can jump from one group to the next directly without having to go through every single UI element on screen, which is, just takes a whole lot of time. And <coughs> look, navigating a UI is about as exciting as putting on a pair of socks, if you ask me, so it should be fast. <laughs> So what I did is I grouped all the languages together. I grouped the sound settings together, accessibility and cloud safe, and then it looks like this. We lost sound apparently. Okay, we lost sound, but essentially it was now five swipes to get to that one because you can jump between the individual ones really quickly. So yeah, in a nutshell, um, Sighted players can skip over everything on the UI that they don't need right now or don't want, and you can give your blind players the same option. So my second tip or lesson learned is group your UI. 
I'm already 16 minutes, I'm only on tip two. Oh. All right, number three. <laughs> this one requires a little extra work. Um, so will the next one. Anyway, so add additional audio. Now, the thing is, a sighted player can obviously take in an entire screen at once, and more importantly, you can grab his attention. Everybody knows that if you make something flash or you make it animated up and down, give it a bright red color, people will notice it because the human eye is attracted to movement. No, I should have known this. This doesn't work for blind players, obviously. Nevertheless, we actually didn't consider this. For Crafting Kingdom, you could craft away happily and all your buildings would produce these products, but then your storage would run full. And you'd never know that happened. Well, as a sighted player, yes, it did, because the number in the corner of your screen would turn bright red and it would start flashing and growing bigger and smaller, but there was no sound attached to it at all. Nothing, no announcement. And I obviously started getting feedback. Hey, I never know when my storage is full. I can swipe through the entire screen and listen to how much storage I have, but I don't know if this happens while I'm somewhere in a different screen and you know resetting my production. So we added in spoken announcements. Spoken announcements are useful for any type of notifications. Basically, any time you want to um, have the, grab the player's attention with any kind of pop-ups, maybe make a spoken announcement instead. And all tech supports this. I know that there's uh, ways you can make an accessibility announcement. You can have your own text-to-speech implementation, obviously. The plugin also supports it. It's a simple save function that you can add additional stuff. Also, so um, a couple examples. For example, you have mission complete, if you have all your goals complete and can maybe finish the level. Uh, storage is full, which is from our game. Your timer ran out and maybe your turn got skipped, which actually was one in a board game that I just recently did. Or chat message received. You can also, though, replace these with sound effects because spoken announcements aren't always fun. They interrupt the gameplay. There's somebody constantly yabbering in your ear, also not great. And you might be listening, oh, that's actually the same gesture, that's awesome. <laughs> you might be listening to something else uh, on your phone right now, another announcement, you don't want it overlaid. In the case of Crafting Kingdom, we had an uh, announcement that would tell you how much product you had left in storage once you sold some of it. But I got loads of feedback where people said, I don't care, I just want to move on, and it wasn't skippable, they couldn't move to the next product and sell it. So we started replacing some of these spoken text with sound effects. And uh, there's some that are obvious and easy to replace, where you think, you know, that's easy, nobody will uh, misunderstand the sound of a rolling die, sure. Or um, what I, uh, another example we did is in um, uh, that board game that we did, when you rolled uh, something and you couldn't do a move, we had an announcement first in it where it said, oh, no moves possible. But instead we replaced it with just a <coughs> buzzing sound and everybody got that was a negative sound and it would move on. But it's not always that obvious that you can replace even more complex information with a sound. In the case of Crafting Kingdom, sorry, we had a world map where there were a couple, couple hidden treasure chests. And these treasure chests would just pop up on the screen and if the player was on that part of the map at the time and could see it, you would click it and get a couple coins. Now that would make them practically invisible to blind players because while they were accessible, no one really always went through the entire screen and checked every UI element just to see if maybe something else popped up. And then some people found them just by accident and said, whoa, I didn't realize those were there. Could you not maybe you know, add the sound? So we added a sound, um, a little jingling. I'll play it. It works. 
doesn't work. Just imagine Santa's bells like that's what I hope would just um, instill the image of getting a gift <laughs> for our players. So um, we added that in and then I forgot to add in anything into the instructions what the sound actually means. So we released the next version, the sound was in, and I thought no one would understand it. Turns out everybody got it because everybody just heard the sound and immediately started just searching, does this mean something? They found the treasure chest and then from that moment on obviously they knew what it meant. So there's a couple of these, and because I'm running short on time, I'm not going to go through all of them, but you can replace way more information with sound effects than you might think, and maybe it's good, a good idea to forego the actual spoken announcements every once in a while. Number four, just two more to go. Okay, number four is even more complicated to implement on your side uh, is, uh, than the last one, which is support multi-finger gestures. My examples will usually be about mobile games, but they're also applicable if you make um, a PC game or an Xbox game. So multi-finger gestures. The thing is, you don't just use one finger, well, the sighted players do. On your phone screen, your screen actually supports multiple fingers, and the screen readers that are there often use this. There's lots of two and three finger, and now even four finger gestures. Just get the latest iOS version. And there's two finger double taps and three finger triple taps and two finger rotations and two finger scrub uh, gestures. And they all do different things, but they make the UI very, very much faster, very, very faster to use. Um, and that is a id good idea to get short, uh, provide shortcuts to provide information quickly. Double provide anyway. So the reason you might implement this is because it really doesn't disrupt the gameplay. Imagine you're playing a card game or a multiple, uh, well, actually, you know what, the board game that I just implemented was Ludo. It had a four-player multiplayer. Now, the um, test thing is when it was your turn, you had about 30 seconds to roll the die. 30 seconds sound like a lot if all you do has to hit the screen at a certain position. If you're blind, you might be somewhere else on that screen. You might just be going through the rankings, see the other players' names, three chat messages. Now. It can take 30 seconds easily just to get to the die. Instead, we implement a single, simple, uh, simple double tap with two fingers so you could roll the die from anywhere. And there's a lot of games that use this. We, um, in my three match three game, I use this to think of it as a gesture to get you your current ranking, your current score, the current time, the moves left, and the goals that you still had to fulfill. Then um, there's a great blindfold solitaire game that wasn't made by me, but um, by kid-friendly software. Who um, it's a solitaire game, just as you imagine it. But there were special good gestures, so you could draw a card, you could read the discard pile, you could read uh, just the tops of the cards of all your stacks, or read all the cards in one stack. It's hard to imagine as a sighted player, but it makes gameplay so much more fluent if you have to play blindly, if you have all these shortcuts, it, it feels more like a game rather than having to swipe all the time. So in essentially the multi-finger gestures are good for any information that sighted players can see, usually at the top or edges of the screen, like your score, the time, uh, moves, goals, lives, points, that sort of thing. And just because you're not making a mobile game, you don't get off easily either because a keyboard has even more keys and even game controllers have what between 8 and 16 buttons. So there is a combination you can find if you want to make your game accessible to get that extra information in. It is a lot of extra work, I realize that, but it makes the game a lot better.
And my last one, I just finished in time. <laughs> so this last one is actually, I think I hit the wrong button. Yes, I hit the wrong button, sorry. So the last one is actually <coughs> two, because this last one is the number one complaints I got, the two biggest one by I got the most emails about by far. And that's two things. Number one, tweak your voice output to be screen reader friendly, your texts actually, specifically for numbers. But this I found out only way after release, when people got into those high numbers where they got high amounts of coins. It turns out that screen readers really do care about number formatting. If you don't put commas and decimal points in, they think, oh, a string of numbers, this must be a phone number. Let's read it digit by digit. <laughs> so I, I think I lost sound, so let's see if that plays. Yeah, I think we lost. Hang on, unless... No, we lost sound for good. Anyway, so what it read is one zero 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 instead of one million. It's not workable, obviously. And it's super easy to fix too. That was a frustrating thing. In, in C sharp, that's literally just passing on a parameter to the two string function. And you can do the ad <laughs> according adjustments in other languages too. So that was a very simple one. The other second one, and this is the top one I got the most feedback about when I released the match three game. I set a fixed voice speed. So this is a big no-no, apparently. So I selected the default system voice because it was easiest to access, and I set the voice slider, the speed slider, exactly half because I thought, well, that's obviously exactly the default, right? Well, <laughs> turns out, blind users listen at vastly different speeds. Apparently from 950 words per minute, I think. And I had an awesome audio sample, which I unfortunately can't play, just to give you an example of how fast that is. But then there's also your casual players, which just can't listen at those speeds. And the thing is, it's synthesized voice. It's not natural voice, so you have to train yourself to do it. So you have your power users on the one side, and I got this ton of emails <laughs> saying, your voice is so slow, please give me a slider to adjust it. And then I got this ton of emails from people saying, your voice is so fast, please give me a slider to adjust the speed. So, <laughs> offer a speech rate slider, <laughs> pretty much. Um, we actually ended up on iOS just using the voiceover settings because people also like to use their own voices, the voices that they selected. But in general, at the very least, offer a speech rate slider. All right, 27 minutes, that was my last one. <coughs> so thank you very much for listening. <laughs> If you want to contact me, there's my Twitter, my email, michelle at metalpopgames.com, and my blog is www.icodelikeagirl.com, where I actually write about the development of the Unity Accessibility plugin and rant about the different problems I have and sometimes post code. Okay, thank you very much.